and it looks like we are live. Welcome back in for another episode of the Fantasy Kingdom show. Uh, this is going to be the week two recap. I'm going to go over the Monday night football games as well as some notable performances from the Sunday games and uh, any injury news, waiver pickups, and just going to continue on bringing up guys that are absolutely smashing the game right now and who's going to continue doing so, who might fall off. And then there's some guys that are getting usage, but they just quite haven't had that blow-up game yet. So I'm going to go into some of those guys and let you know who you should be holding on to, who you should just be waiting to have that monster game and to carry you in the season. Let's jump right into the Monday night football games. Uh, nothing really too exciting this week. Two absolute blowouts. Uh, I do apologize if you are like me and you played against Jalen Hurts and Stefan Diggs this week. It is absolutely soul-crushing. I had Lamar Jackson put up almost 50 points in a six-point passing touchdown league, and I still lost by like 35 because I went up against the buzzsaw that is Jalen Hurts and Stefan Diggs. <sighs> it sucks, but that's fantasy for you. But let's take a look at the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills game. Tennessee looks horrible. They look bad from top to bottom. Henry doesn't look the same. Tanny can't make plays like he used to. A.J. Brown isn't there anymore to take the uh, top off the defense. The only good news that I have coming out of Tennessee is that Burks is showing some flashes. They're running some plays to scheme him into space and just kind of get the ball into his hands, which is what you need to do with a with an absolute athlete like Burks. Uh, he's commanding 27% of the target share in this game, which is good for a game that they're down the entire time, but also not good because Tannehill didn't even play the whole game. He got pulled in the, the third quarter. So it's just something to kind of keep an eye on. Burks uh, is potentially promising, but if Tennessee continues down this path, Tannehill might not even be the quarterback when Burks is really ready to step into that alpha role. So the timing might not be there this year for Burks. Hold now just to kind of maybe see if it'll work out, if Tannehill can turn it around, but... The rate it's going, I am afraid that it might just be a lost rookie season for Traylon Burks, but he can hopefully build rapport and just kind of get his feet underneath, underneath him in the NFL. The Buffalo side, what more do we need to say? It's Josh Allen. It's Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Uh, Gabe Davis out this week with that uh, ankle or hamstring injury. I, I don't remember which it was, but regardless, nobody stepped up in his absence. It was... Almost every pass going to Diggs, he had over a 35% um, target share, three touchdowns. Anytime, like, anytime that Allen's making a play, anytime that the play is being schemed, it's, it's Diggs. It's Diggs, it's Diggs, it's Diggs. So similar to Kansas City where you only want Mahomes and Kelsey, right now while Gabe Davis is out, I only want Allen and I want Diggs. I'm not starting anyone else from this team. None of the running backs really interest me. It's just this offense runs so much through Josh Allen and through Stefan Diggs, and they don't need to do anything else until someone stops them. Uh, once Davis comes back, I'm definitely plugging him in. The We've seen the weekly upside where he can go for uh, 102 touchdowns on only six targets. He doesn't need the target share, and this offense just doesn't need to pass 
50 times in a game to prop up both Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Uh, moving on to the other blowout of the night, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, first looking at Minnesota, there are three things that are true and three things that will never fail you, and that is death, taxes, and Kirk Cousins choking in a fucking primetime game. Good lord, how does he go from just dismantling the Green Bay Packers, who are supposed to have a very good defense, to just absolutely shitting the bed here against Philadelphia, who, to be fair, also a good defense, big place, big, big place slay, absolutely playing out of his mind and locking down Justin Jefferson the entire night, but still... Uh, he's got other weapons. This offense just could not move at all. I'm not worried about the Justin Jefferson dud. Uh, again, Slade just completely shut him down and was just having the game of his career. Um, it would have been nice to see Cousins maybe try to work the ball to Thielen, to Irv, to Cook, to anyone other than just trying to force it to JJ. But at the same time, what can you do? Uh, I would like to see some more production out of Dalvin Cook. Uh, I am getting a little bit nervous about him. It's two games in a row now where he is underwhelmed. The usage is still there, so, I mean, you drafted him for a reason in the first round. He's getting the usage. We're just waiting for that efficiency and that production to come. It's been two kind of weird weeks for the Minnesota Vikings, where the first week they absolutely blew them out with only Justin Jefferson, uh, blew out the Green Bay Packers with only Justin Jefferson here in week two. It's them getting blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think as they get into more normal games and hopefully here in the in week three against the Lions, they can kind of just normalize and find that middle ground and Cook can really start to produce like we want him to. Uh, the interesting thing that I saw here was the number two in terms of target share was Irv Smith for the Vikings. It, he was just barely ahead of Thielen, but Thielen didn't even really get going until the second half of the game. I don't even think he had a target until the third quarter, so it's something to keep your eye on. Thielen is 32 years old. He is well past the age apex for wide receivers, so it would not surprise me if Irv or KJ Osborne kind of just continued this gradual overtaking of the, the second chair in Minnesota. Um... If he's still out there for your tight end streaming, go grab him because, again, we're just looking at targets here. He did score uh, the only touchdown for Minnesota, so that's that's what you're looking for. He's targeted in the red zone, so something to really keep your eye on and worth the shot if you're just streaming the wasteland of tight end. Uh, so that's it for the Monday night games. We're going to go ahead and uh, talk about some injury news as well and uh, potential waiver pickups to kind of supplement these gaps or just general notes on what the effects will have for fantasy. Uh, first up, Trey Lance out for the season. Absolutely brutal to see the, the ankle just completely break, bend, snap, surgery. It's just, it, it's tough to see. Um, this does mean that Jimmy G is going to step in and pick up where he left off last season. And that only means good things for Brandon Ayuk. We've seen Ayuk be propped up by Jimmy G, especially with Kittle out, and we still don't know when Kittle's coming back. He's been dealing with this nagging injury for the past two, three weeks now. It even was a little bit in the preseason where we just we weren't sure what's going on with Kittle, and he's done this multiple seasons where he goes out with a lingering injury, and it just it does not go away all season, and he'll miss 
game after game after game. He'll come back for one to two games and then is re-injured. So uh, if you have Brandon Ayuk, whenever Kittle's not starting, he is definitely a flex play, definitely a wide receiver to play. Um, Jimmy just kind of opens up more of the passing game where Lance just really opened up the ceiling of the offense through his rushing. Uh, also sticking with the trend of the San Francisco 49ers, Terrian Davis-Price goes on uh, the injured list with a high ankle sprain, and as a running back, that is really what you don't want to see. He was up there. He was pacing uh, Jeff Wilson for carries, and it was exciting. We were thinking, wow, like this is exactly what we thought. Like Jeff Wilson isn't going to handle 100% of the carries. They're going to need someone else, and it looked like it was TDP for a second there, but this injury coming out after the game really is just puts a damper on everything. Uh, so Jeff Wilson's already gone off your waivers. People are already holding on to him. If no one picked up Jordan Mason, he is definitely worth a look. Again, Jeff Wilson getting high volume has never allowed him to stay healthy. So there's going to be a next man up. And right now behind Jeff Wilson, the next man up is uh, Jordan Mason. And behind him is going to be Marlon Mack. Uh, he just recently joined the team, so I do expect him to stay behind Mason for at least the time being. So I would prioritize Mason over Mac, but if Mason already got scooped up on the last waiver run, feel free to pick up Mac for cheap. Don't blow any priority. Don't blow any fab on him. Just a little bit to uh, to maybe get a shot at the starting running back of the San Francisco 49ers, but he's currently the RB3 in that backfield. James Conner, another very injury-prone running back, also went down and was out of the game for a large portion of it. Uh, they're claiming after the game it's not serious ankle injury, but again, we've seen this story before. We've heard this. We've heard this tale. It's a tale as old as time. Uh, James Conner dealing with a lower body body injury, and he's not the type that when even when he does come back, if he does play in week three there's a high risk of re-injury because he is one of these between the tackles, runs to contact, wants to go ahead and put like lay the like the punishment out there, but in doing so he's also punishing his own body. So uh, I, I would not expect to see him out there for too much longer if if he continues to to deal with this ankle injury. In his absence, uh, Daryl Williams and Eno uh, both kind of split the work. Uh, Daryl Williams did seem to have a little bit more of an uh, efficient game with it, but Eno is still that pass catching back. He's still going to be the the guy out there running the routes. Uh, let me double check real quick. I, I thought I had it in my notes, but I do not. And yeah, so yeah, we're looking here in terms of route participation. Uh, uh, it actually, wow, so I was wrong. So Daryl Williams did actually run more routes than Eno Benjamin, which is, is a little bit shocking. Uh, Eno did still command one more target than Williams, so I, I do expect it to kind of be just a little bit of a 50-50 split if Connor is to miss time. Um, but I do think that Eno Benjamin definitely has more juice. He got hyped up all offseason, so I'm going to stick with that. Um... If Eno or Williams are out there, they're both worth a stash. Again, I, I don't know how much longer Connor's going to be getting this high workload if this injury uh, kind of lingers on and if he's playing, trying to play through it. It's definitely something where we're, we're looking to see a re-injury there. 
and that just leaves an opening for one of these two in a offense that is desperately looking for playmakers uh, without Hopkins, with Brown underwhelming, and with the tight end group kind of being banged up and missing. Uh, Moving on, we have Jerry Judy, who also went out in the first quarter of his game. Uh, They are saying that he is day-to-day right now with a chest injury. Don't really know what that means. Don't really know the full extent of the injury. So we're just kind of watching the practice reports uh, and seeing how he's progressing through the week and if he is going to suit up on Sunday. Um, This puts Cortland Sutton in an absolute smash spot. He had a monster game already without uh, without Judy being in there, having over 100 yards. Uh, He's going to be Russ's go-to, and I do expect this offense to start clicking. I don't think they got very many reps in the preseason. I don't think that they have that timing, that cadence that an offense run by Russell Wilson needs. Uh, So as the year goes on, I do expect things to correct here, Uh, and that just means good things for whoever's out there with Russ. Um, If Judy does miss Alberto. Uh, Albert O and KJ Hamler are both interesting. One of them will have to step up uh, in Judy's absence, but neither of them really did it this past week when Judy was gone. Uh, it will be interesting to see if Judy uh, misses, if they took the time this week to kind of implement a game plan to get one of these two guys involved so it's not just Sutton. Maybe it's the running backs. I'm still kind of waiting and seeing if I have other options besides Albert O and Hamler. I'm definitely starting them, but I'm keeping an eye on what happens in Denver this week. Mike Evans, uh, so frustrating. He gets suspended for one game for once again fighting with Marshawn Lattimore. Literally cannot go a game in New Orleans without picking a fight with Lattimore, and this time he's the only one to get suspended because he's the only one coming through full two-hand shove, just absolutely launching Lattimore after... uh, after after lots of jawing, lots of talking, so it's frustrating to see. Uh, but the fantasy fallout from this is obviously you have to find a replacement for Mike Evans uh, in your fantasy lineups. Uh, in terms of Tampa Bay, I am still in my previous uh, in the week two uh, primer. I said fade Tom Brady. Uh, it's it was a tough matchup for Mike Evans, and outside of Mike Evans, he had nobody else. Godwin out, Julio out. Um, so it's just one of those things where Brady needs his weapons around him to perform. He, he will put them in the best position, but if his weapons are just non-existent, it's just not going to happen for him. So it's really, uh, I'm going to say continue to fade Tom Brady as long as Evans, Godwin, and Julio are all out. Um, Gage will be the next man up if Julio is missing. He did get out-targeted by uh, Scotty Miller, but... We also got to remember Gage was also dealing with a little bit of an injury throughout the practice week, so I think this was a little bit of an effect of that, but it still, again, just doesn't make me feel very confident about starting anyone in Tampa Bay right now other than Leonard Fournette, Uh, and even he is facing uh, the consequences of a less potent offense than we expected, so beware in Tampa Bay, another team where I feel like the ship will right itself. But it's just going to take some time for these guys to get healthy and to just get into a flow, which we've seen in Tom Brady's first year in Tampa Bay. They started off the same way. They started off very slow. It wasn't injury-related, but it was just uh, tempo-related and just not having the mesh together. So I think, again, Tampa can go ahead. They're, t- they're the type of team to pull it together underneath Tom Brady, and all of these guys can go ahead and produce towards the end of the season. But for right now, I'm waiting. I'm holding. Hopefully Evans can... Uh, come back and fill that void 
for Brady. Uh, looking at a couple teams here that are just absolutely setting trends and just coming out of nowhere and just not exactly what was expected, but are just putting up massive numbers on offense and uh, even coming home with some wins and giving us some out-of-nowhere fantasy blow-ups. Uh, first up is going to be the Miami Dolphins. They are no joke in the passing game. Uh, if you drafted Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, congratulations, because that is the only part of this offense that you want right now. It is super consolidated between both Tyreek and Waddle. Uh, in the past two weeks, it, they've combined for over 50% of the team's targets. In week two alone, they were 64% of the targets, and there were a lot of targets. Tua threw the ball 50-something times. He had over 400 yards. It was insane, and it was Tyreek Waddle, Tyreek Waddle, Tyreek Waddle, Tyreek Waddle. It was just nonstop, those two guys. If you got them, congratulations. Keep playing them. Keep smashing. Uh, there should be room. You would think the process would allow us with that many pass attempts that the pass-catching running back would go ahead and have a role in this offense, especially when they're playing from behind. But for week two, he only had a 6% target share. It's devastating. It's one of my favorite players coming into the season to see him have a week one where he didn't perform crazy, but he gave enough usage to where you're thinking, yes, this is paying off. This was a good draft pick to only having a 6% target share in week two. It's just a tough look. If you have other options, start them over him right now, uh, and let's just see if they can kind of balance and normalize this passing game, and it, if they can fit a third uh, player into that uh, target competition. Uh, Tua, once again, 470 yards and six touchdowns. If you are streaming quarterback, I have no problem picking Tua up and just like riding this wave until it uh, until it dies down. The, the Miami Dolphins I talked about in the primer they're passing uh, higher than the expected rate of them. Even in the first week when they were dominating the Patriots, they were still out there just throwing the ball all over the place. I think that uh, Mike McDaniel is doing what people thought that he was going to do, but to an even greater extent because. We expected a San Francisco-type offense where it's it's run-heavy, it's uh, accurate passing, but he's really opening it up, and when he was talking about trusting Tua and putting the ball into his hand, he wasn't kidding. So as long as McDaniel is riding with Tua, I'm riding with Tua, and he's he's definitely a sneaky, uh, a sneaky guy who, if he's still out there, he can go ahead and be a, a pickup for you and a plug-and-play on a weekly basis. The second team that is just kind of shocking and producing some fantasy buzz that I did not see coming at all is the uh, New York Jets. Flacco under center is just, I mean, they've thrown the ball more than anyone in the entire NFL. They've had to because they've been down every game uh, until the final minutes of, or until the final like minute and a half of this uh, week two game. So they're going to, their defense isn't holding up at all. They're going to have to throw the ball over and over and over again, and as long as Flacco is under center, I think that makes for some interesting fantasy plays. Um, first and foremost, it'll be Garrett Wilson. Looks like he has went ahead and separated himself as the wide receiver one in this offense. Uh, he led the team with a 19% target share. He had 14 targets, 
which again speaks to just how much they're throwing at 14 targets as a 19% share only. But uh, he had Wilson had the blow up game, eight for 102 yards and two touchdowns. That's just what you love to see. Uh, Corey Davis is kind of that. He's posted up on the outside. He's going deep. He's uh, not getting a lot of targets, but he's getting a crazy amount of air yards. And he even delivered this week uh, with two catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. He is not going to be a reliable, a reliable week in, week out uh, player. But with the amount that the Jets are passing the ball and the type of routes that he's running and the air yards that he's getting, he is worth a flex uh, consideration just because he can have this monster blow-up game on a weekly basis. He can get you 80-plus and a touchdown on only four targets. So uh, Davis is an interesting flex play for just that Hail Mary. Uh, Brees Hall looked a lot more efficient than Michael Carter did, but they're still in a 50-50 split right now in terms of carries. Um, Michael Carter did out-target Brees in this one 5-1, to one, so you don't love to see that after seeing 10 targets for Brees in Week 1. Having him come down to one target is is rough, uh, but it, it's one of those things where Brees is showing his efficiency, he's showing his explosiveness, and you're hoping that the Jets just kind of see that and want to see more of it so they fit him into the offense more. He's still kind of a, a hold and wait and see, and you're hoping towards midseason that he's really stepping in and taking command of this offense. Um, some more surprising notes that I had were the rookie wide receivers, uh, more specifically the first round wide receivers just coming out of nowhere, just exploding. Um, we already talked about Garrett Wilson. He is the top rookie wide receiver out there right now. Just from a pure volume standpoint, he looks like he is uh, the number one in New York. And again, as I said, as long as Flacco is under center, he is a must start until either Wilson takes back over or... This uh, volume and hot hand slows down. Uh, Jahan Dotson found the end zone again. Uh, he's only He only got five targets this week, so a, another low uh, target share, but they're working him in the red zone. They, they've targeted him many times now in the red zone, and he, he ended up getting four catches for 59 yards and that touchdown. Uh, another promising note is he's being used all the time. He is was in on 99% of the uh, the team's snaps this week, so that's just an outrageously high number. He seems to be the number two behind um, Terry McLaurin in the traditional wide receiver sense. Curtis Samuel is still there, but they're working him all around the field, and uh, Samuel is really the number two in terms of just option, like the number two option. But I think that they want Dotson to be be that uh, prototypical Z receiver on the opposite side of Terry McLaurin. Uh, Chris Olave, he didn't really have that game that pops. He had five catches for 80 yards. Um, but the absolute bonker stat of the week, he had 334 air yards in one game. That is insane. I, I believe that uh, the podfather... Fa- podfather. Uh, Matt Kelly, Fantasy Mansion for Roto Underworld, he's said that that was the most air yards from a single player in a single game in NFL history uh, since it's been tracked. So it was just an absolute monster performance uh, that just is going to fly under the radar because of guys like Wilson, because of guys like Dotson, because of guys like Drake London, who had the fantasy points behind it. But Olave is a guy that if he's still out there, if he's still out there in your league, you need to pick him up. He's going to be 
taking over that New Orleans pass attack. It's going to be Michael Thomas and it's going to be Olave. I think Landry is kind of starting to slow down. He had the strong week one, but he was almost non-existent in week two. Uh, speaking of another rookie wide receiver, Drake London, uh, he looks like he has already surpassed Kyle Pitts. He is the number one option in that Atlanta offense, and really Marcus Mariota can only support one player, and it looks like it's Drake London this year. Eight catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown, including a two-point conversion. He had 12 targets, which was 48% target share. That's just, that's exactly what you want to see. That's exactly what you expect out of this pass offense that just isn't going to be the strongest. Uh, not It's not enough that he had almost 50% of the targets, but he was also uh, in the game for 82, 82% of the snaps. So he's, he's already the alpha, the number one for Atlanta. And Mariota seems to be locked in on, in on him. So if you got him, start him. Uh, moving on, we have some big performances from players that I think are just going to absolutely continue. They're going to. This was just either the beginning, the continuation, whatever it is. They're smashing. They're going to continue to smash. And if you got them, you're starting them on a weekly basis. You're not questioning it, and you're excited. Uh, first up is going to be Rashad Bateman. I have been going on and on and on about how much I love Bateman this offseason. I literally, he is my number one rostered player in all of my underdog drafts. I think it's something ridiculous, like an 86%. Uh, 86% of my teams have Bateman on them. It was the sixth, like fifth, sixth round, and I'm just seeing Bateman just smashing the button every time as long as no one else fell to me. Um, the Ravens' defense, again, seems to be banged up, so the passing numbers that everyone projected to be lower because the defense was supposed to be healthy, I think they are somewhere in between that 2021 range and what we're seeing now. Um, and Bateman did have a 24% target share behind only Andrews, so that's exactly what we wanted to see coming into this game was, can he be that absolute locked-in number two behind Andrews? And it looks like he is, and we saw what he can do. He took a slant 70-plus yards to the house, so he's got the athleticism. Lamar knows that he can go to him now on a, uh, on a weekly basis, so... Just sit back, start them, and watch the numbers pile up. Um, I feel like I'm going to say this literally every single week in my uh, weekly write-up for Player Profiler, the uh, performance uh, write-up that I do on a week, um, on Wednesdays, and every podcast that I have, I, I feel like it's just going to come up. I completely missed on Amon Ross St. Brown. He is him. He is that dude. He is an absolute dog. It's just week after week after week after week. For the past eight weeks, this man has done nothing but put up fantasy numbers and just absolutely dominate this offense that has explosive weapons in it. Um, another just monster game. Nine catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns on 12 targets, and... They worked him into the running game as well, running some jet sweeps for two carries for 68 yards. He's got a 35% target share. He is far and away the number one target in this offense that is just smashing numbers. In the past two weeks, uh, the Lions have hit the over. They've covered. Uh, they're well over expectation. I have the numbers here uh, for just how much they're, they are 
over their implied total. Um, pardon me for a second. So yeah, Detroit here. Week two, they were 11 points over their implied total, which was 25. That's already a pretty high total. Uh, their implied team total was uh, top 10. They were number nine in implied total. And uh, on in terms of actual points scored, they were number four in the NFL this week. Week one, they were very similar. Uh, implied, they were the number three uh yeah they were the number three scoring team uh in week one as well so they're a top four top three top five offense in the league right now and they just continue to smash expectations on offense the defense isn't very strong so it's going to be shootout after shootout and Amon Ross St. Brown is just going to smash on a weekly basis I don't see anyone stopping him right now teams are still throwing linebackers on him which makes me think that they know St. Brown is the dude for this offense. So that just shows me that Dan Campbell and this offense are scheming him into these mismatches and really exploiting the defense and getting him the ball to make plays. And it's working. It's going to continue to work because guess what? There's other players on this offense. There's DeAndre Swift out there, TJ Hawkinson, DJ Chark. Jamison Williams is going to be coming back uh, and... It's just going to completely like open up this game and this middle of the field for Amon Ross St. Brown. It, this offense right now, it's it's Swift and it's Amon Ross St. Brown. End of story. A uh, little less exciting than Amon Ross St. Brown. Not quite the same level of smash, but someone who is just dominating his offense right now uh, in terms of production, and that is Christian Kirk. Uh, in week two, he had six catches, 78 yards, and two touchdowns. And that's in a game that Jacksonville was up 24-0 by the end. So it's not even a game where they're throwing from behind. This was a game where they had the they had everything in hand from a very early time, and he still had six catches and two touchdowns in it. Um, I do expect the downswing of Jacksonville to come soon. They've been strangely leading in games for the first two weeks, leading to a lot of James Robinson. But I do believe that the pendulum is going to start swinging the other direction they will have to start throwing a lot more, playing from behind. But I think that only helps Christian Kirk uh, and other players on this offense. Uh, so he did have a 20% target share this week, 90% uh, snap share. So he's out there whenever it's any type of passing situation. Christian Kirk's out there, and he seems to have that connection with Trevor Lawrence. And I, I think he's going to continue to put up good numbers, good wide receiver two numbers. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier also. Cortland Sutton is another guy that I just think is going to had a good week. He had that first week where it was good, not great. And then week two, he went ahead and uh, went over 100 yards. Um, but I think that's just going to continue. He had a 39% target share in a game where Judy missed a large amount of the time. So if Judy does miss, miss any more time, it's just going to be the Sutton show. Um and that's that's really all I have to say. Is, is it, it's going to be the Sun Show. Even when Judy's there, he's still getting uh, 150, 200 air yards. So uh, just trust the process with Sutton. Again, this offense will get it together. Russ will get it together. And uh, Sutton will be the main beneficiary of that. Uh, so the it's hard to talk about tight end blowups because there just really aren't any. Uh, this season, you have Kelsey, you have Andrews. Those are the guys that you expect to blow up. 
But here uh, I have some streaming suggestions for uh, these three tight ends that uh, I, I talked about in the week two primer. Uh, we had Tyler Higby, who I brought up, who, again, these three guys are, they're not absolute blow-up game guys, but they were all top 10 this week. Uh, again, Higby, seven catches, 71 yards. He had nine targets, a 26% target share, who was, he's only number two behind uh, Cooper Cup, which you're not going to outpace Cooper Cup. So being that number two on this Matthew Stafford offense is not a bad thing. Um, Pat Fryermuth. He didn't have the yardage, but he had four catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. He still had seven targets and was a 21% target share, only behind Deontay Johnson, who was an absolute target hog. So again, not something you're really like, oh no, he's not the target leader. Being number two behind a guy like Deontay, it's not bad, and he is clearly a red zone, uh, a red zone threat. Uh, Gerald Everett, another. Uh, big target game, 10 targets in Thursday night football for a 22% target share. He tied with uh, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler for a team lead there, and he put uh, put up 6 for 71. No touchdown this week, but I mean, again, 10 targets. You just you keep following that, and you'll, you'll get rewarded uh, throughout some of the weeks. Um, the last, uh, last segment that I really have here is going to be guys that didn't blow up in week two. Uh, they might have had decent games, but it, it just wasn't quite there. It wasn't like that eye-popping. They're not on the top trending of uh, of sleeper. They're not the guys where you're like, oh, yeah, like I'm excited about them right now because of like they, they won me a week. But these are guys that the usage is there, and they're just it's it's going to happen. There's going to be a game here in the next two, three weeks where they have that eruption, and the wait will be finally worth it. Um, starting off this list is going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He has been leading the wide receiver group in both snaps and targets over the first two weeks. He's not just running the deep routes anymore. He's not like being used like he was in Green Bay where he is just opposite Devontae Adams, take the top off the offense. Um, he, they don't really have that outside presence anymore, so uh, MVS is working more intermediate routes. Uh, it right now it is still tough to trust anyone other than Kelsey in Kansas City, but I do feel an MVS blow up game just kind of bubbling under the surface. Again, he's he's number two in uh, target share behind Kelsey, um, and it's just it he's been the most consistent out of the wide receiver group in terms of routes, targets, things like that. Um, TJ Hawkinson, I talked about this Lions offense right now. It is Swift. It is Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are the two guys. But Hawk is still kind of, he is that number three option right now. He had seven targets in week two. My only fear here is his route participation is a little bit lower than you would like to see. Um, let's see. What was his route participation this past week? I apologize. I thought, I, again, my notes were not as complete as I, as I, as I expected. Uh, route participation. He brought it back up. Uh, week one, he was at a, only 77% route participation, and that really had me worried. He did bring it up to 81% uh, in week two, so things are seeming to turn around, and it did seem like there was a bit of a disconnect on the field with Goff and Hawks, so uh, I do expect that to kind of get ironed out again, um, and he can have weeks... Uh, and he, he can have weeks, and I don't expect... 
Amon Ross St. Brown to command a 35% target share for the entire season. So there will be games where Hawk is is going to go ahead and and have a blow up. So at the tight end position, if you have Hawk, hold him, start him. There will be games. It's it's not anything where you're you're gonna start streaming here. Um, Sterling Shepard is an interesting name here, and if he he actually is most likely on waivers, uh, I know that I'm going to be making a uh, a claim for him. Uh, if anyone in my league is listening to this, stop. Uh, don't do it. Um, but he had a quieter game than week one, but he was still put up 10 targets. Uh, he's leading the team right now in target share through the first two weeks. Uh, the Giants really aren't scoring a whole lot of points, so that's my only concern is what is the ceiling here. But from a usage standpoint, it's there. Um this wide receiver group, this receiving group in general, tight ends included, is just devoid of talent. Like, it's 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 bad right now uh, outside of Saquon. Uh, and I think Shepard is going to go ahead and be just that, that steady wide receiver for Jones to, to, to use as a crutch uh, as he goes through his progressions. Uh, so not really a ceiling play here, but just a... A solid steady floor that you can plug in on a weekly basis and just feel comfortable that you'll you'll get the targets and and the points will follow uh, Brandon Ayuk again talked about him earlier uh, he was he's the clear number two in San Francisco as long as Kittle is out which as we talked about earlier Kittle with these injuries they just don't seem to leave him alone um, and, but in terms of uh, Snapshare. He is. He's on the field nonstop. In week one, he was 98% uh, snapshare. Week two, 88%. And with uh, Jimmy Jimmy G last season, when Ayuk uh, had over a 70% snapshare, he averaged 13 fantasy points per game. Uh, and that was when he was in the doghouse with Shanahan. So uh, we're looking for that kind of production again. We're hoping for a little bit more. Uh, of a, of a bump with Jimmy G coming back in, maybe a little bit less Debo running the ball, a little bit more uh, passing the ball. So I, th- I think it's safe to go ahead and pencil him in for those 13 fantasy points per game with a little bit of upside because uh, this offense is just looking to kind of pick up where they left off and they, they want to they wanna prove that there's, they still got that bite even without uh, Trey Lance back there. So Ayuk is a guy with sneaky upside, and if you're working for a bigger trade, I think he's a guy that you can get in as the the smaller piece of a trade and it would just be a a sneaky win for you there Uh, the last guy on this list that i have is going to be cam Akers. i did say stardom uh in my week two primer it might have been a little bit ballsy it might have been a little bit crazy but uh the usage went goes ahead and said uh exactly what i was saying that Akers came back he proved to mcveigh that he deserves a shot so uh he got it he was uh in the 45% snap share range, but the important part here is that he outcarried and outtargeted Darrell Henderson. He's uh, still, this was only the first week of him responding to uh, McVay's comments, so I think that the fire's been lit underneath Acres. It's only going to get better. He's only going to be showing McVay more and more and more that he wants, he's, he wants this, he's hungry, he wants to be the lead back in this offense. Um, Henderson did get the touchdown this week, but I do think that the usage is just promising and we're, we're just waiting. It could be this week. It could be next week. It could be the week after that, but there is going to be an absolute acres blow up game here soon. 
the the buy window is still open so if you're looking for an rb a cheap rb2 that you can get and with just massive amounts of upside i still think cam Akers is that guy uh and again darrell henderson has dealt with injuries himself the lower body injuries that don't seem to uh, want to leave players alone, so it's something to keep your eye on. Eight acres is right now prove like working his way back to a, a solid floor, and then that ceiling is just top ten. So a guy that I uh, I am pursuing in trade, a guy that I am holding excitedly, just waiting for that week to blow, uh, and and reap the rewards of uh, of trusting in him. Um, I know it's late on a Tuesday, so. Everyone's already probably got their waiver wire uh, picks in. But uh, if there's any first-round rookies left out there on, on the waiver wire, go ahead and put a bid in for them. Again, Wilson being my top target. Drake London. Uh, actually, Drake London, he's not going to be out there because people were drafting him because fantasy gamers are, are sharp nowadays. But uh, Wilson, Olave, if those guys are out there, I'm grabbing. I'm trying to grab them. Uh and I'm, I'm starting Wilson right away. Uh, I'll flex Olave if I have to, uh, just because I do think that they're, they're going to pop any day here uh, now. Again, Jordan Mason, Marlon Mack will be your running back uh, pickups. And then if you're streaming quarterback or if you're, uh, yeah, if you're streaming quarterback, Tua, he's the way to go. Again, I think he can go ahead and be that stable week in week out you don't have to stream anymore if you pick up Tua at least for the near future so those are my recommendations for the waiver and that is all that I have for the week two recap again this was the fantasy kingdom show uh, I'm streaming live on on YouTube my recordings I'm posting the the podcast on Spotify um and I would really appreciate it if you're watching this if you're listening to this Go to my YouTube. It is the Fantasy Kingdom. Uh, it is the Fantasy Kingdom on YouTube. You can find the link on my Twitter at Joins underscore FF. Uh, I post most of my takes. I have a weekly write up from I, I watch one game for uh, Roto Underworld Player Profiler, and I provide a write up based on the performance analysis that I do for them. And I, I post that on my Twitter on a weekly basis. So if you're looking for more content from me, you can find it on Twitter. And uh, I'll, I'll catch you here on Friday for the week three primer. Uh, thank you and have a good night.